Does your bike need some love? Shimano Original Replacement Parts are the best way to renew the original function of your Shimano-equipped bike. Available online and at your local retailer. From Red Kite Prayer, this is The Pace Line, the podcast on two wheels. We are back. I am Celine Yeager, and with me is my co-host, Patrick Brady. Each week, we take a look at how cycling fits in our lives. Welcome back, yeah, Patrick. Yeah, likewise. Uh, well, I'm, I'm good, except for the whole uh, I've got a virus sort of thing. But yeah, I'm good. Uh, yeah, it's that time of year. <laughs> yep. I, and I'm spreading cheer and germs <laughs> everywhere you turn. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I get sick so little these days compared to when my boys were were small that I think I know better than to complain. Yeah. So, yeah, I'll just it's, I'll take it on the chin or in the lungs, whichever. <laughs> Wherever it happens to appear. <laughs> Did you get anything good for the holidays? Any any surprise? Any good Christmas? Um, You know, for my birthday, I went to a concert and had oh, some really right, fun right. company for the concert. and. It was a it was a nice couple days. Yeah. Yeah. That was that was the big thing for me. Everything was calm for Christmas and you know, a first Christmas two people having split that can sometimes get a little edgy. Oh right. It was yep. it all went great. It all went great. And well, that's good. Yeah, I I got nothing to complain about. I mean, you're not supposed to with the holidays, right? But people set expectations a little yeah, high. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People people still complain. Yeah. I got my frying pan. I got two, Ooh. as a matter of fact. <laughs> Excellent. Someone listens to the show. And uh, and I also got a pair of uh, Powerbeats Pro earbuds. Ooh. They are really nice. Are you familiar with them at all? I, I don't I don't know that particular one, no. Um so Beats is like the headphones I have right on now are Beats and I, I'm 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 a big fan of their products, but these are um, the ones that have a little hook over your ear, you know what I mean? Uh-huh. And I like them because they, they charge, they, they come in this nice, nice little elegant case and they both charge in the case, uh-huh. but you can still just wear one. Cause I usually just wear one and they both stay equally charged because you, they, Oh, they equal. They charge. Wow. Yeah. Well, Cause they, they charge when I put it back, they're both charging within the case. And the case keeps a charge, so that doesn't have to get plugged in for quite a while. Holy. It's kind of magical. Wow. Right. That's impressive. I really, like, I, I appreciate that an awful lot, you know, because I'm not, con- like, I'm, I get so tired of plugging everything in all the time. Mm-hmm. Like, I, and they, they're uh, pretty intuitive, and the sound fidelity is very good. So, uh, yeah, been, that, was a, that was a treat. That was a treat. Very cool. I though I still do. Sorry to interrupt no. you. I still do. It's funny because I'm so used to having a wire, even though I haven't had a wire in I don't know how many years. Mm-hmm. I still, when I'm going to take my helmet and stuff off, pretend that there's a wire there. Do you know what I mean? Like there's like I still <laughs> like act like I'm yep. go- yes <laughs> that I'm gonna have to like worry about. I have no I don't idea know why you would do that. Yeah. <laughs> I know because it's been like a long many years. I don't know. I I, I think that's gonna be ingrained for a long time. Yeah. I wonder what it's like to be someone who doesn't have that ingrained in them. Like, it's such an odd little thing. Like, there are people who've never had that, right? Yep. They've never had to. Um, they've always Bluetoothed their stuff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, cool. I I still like having the the wire between the two. I've got a I've got Bluetooth earbuds. Actually, I just bought a new set from Jaybirds with some money I got for Christmas. Oh uh, yeah, they're good too. Uh, yeah, Jaybirds are quite good. I'm, I'm I'm amazed by the sound quality, but I like having the tether between the two. I'll wear both when I'm out mountain biking, not on the yeah. road. But having you know having a wire running between the two means that if one of them falls out of my ear on a descent, right, it can't go right. anywhere. Yeah, no, I, I can, I understand that. I understand like why, why you would want that. But yeah, I'm pretty, I, I don't foresee these, the, these are pretty, like I can't wear AirPods to save my life because they just pop out like all the time. I know, right? But um, yeah, 
Uh, but but these these have been pretty so far so good. Cool. I, I don't anticipate the the right one flying out of me or anytime. But yeah, so that's cool. Nice. That was, Alrighty. Yeah. Well, what are we doing this week? What are we doing? Well, I figured since we are back right after uh, the holidays so far, I'm not usually one for resolutions. You know, I think we did do a little bit of a resolution show last last year, and yep. I was thinking back on that. Um, and funny, like last year, I realized that I had written 700 hours, you know, for the year. And <laughs> I remember actually sort of resolving to write a little less, which sounds like which sounds crazy, but I remember when I realized I'm like 700 hours is a lot of time. Um, but I just I, I was thinking like I didn't have a Kanza. I didn't have a Michigan. I didn't have a 200 mile behemoth or a stage race like I had nothing on the calendar for 19 uh-huh. you know, that that would demand that level of sort of training, training, training. So, uh, you know, I wanted to dial it back just a little bit and so I could concentrate on like building my business and doing some long-term planning and all that kind of stuff. And it's, it's, it's kind of funny. I mean, I I was successful. I wanted to still train a lot and be able to be competitive when I wanted to. And I, my, I got my little Strava story and I rode 610 hours, (laughs) uh, which, which sounds like not maybe, but you know, it, it does make a difference. That's still, yeah. 90 hours. Yeah. 90 hours is 90 it's hours. What a 15% cut. Yeah. Something. Yeah. I don't know. Or 15% gain as the case might ooh, be. Ooh. That's how I prefer to look yeah. at it. Um, and I, interestingly, I climbed Mount Everest 18 times according to uh, Strava. Do you get the little year end Strava story? Like I, it, my total elevation was 520,874 feet. Wow. Which is, which is Mount Everest 18 times, according to Java. I would have to do the math. Wow. Uh, yeah. So when I cut back in uh, hours, I made it for an elevation, though I always have a, actually quite a bit of elevation just by virtue of what I do. Uh, but I was, you know, it was a successful year. I was competitive in the races I wanted to. I had fun participating in the rest. I'm going to call 19 good. And that made me think like, all right, let's look at 2020. And I like to frame them and I know it might be just semantics, but I like to frame my new year stuff as intentions rather than resolutions mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because it sounds more positive, mm-hmm. you know, like for some reason, resolution always has like a negative connotation in my head. It's like, I feel like it's saying something's wrong with you and you want to fix it's it. It's an admission that you haven't been living up to the standard that you're about to set. Is it technically or does it just feel that way? Because I think that that's kind of, you know, emotionally, that's where it hits us, I think. Right. And that's why I think we rebel against Mm -hmm. it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like that. It makes sense. Like I resolve because I'm, you know, I'm not good. (laughs) You know, And then you're just like, screw you. I am good. I'm (laughs) just going to do whatever I did. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. So I was, I decided that, you know, I'm going to, and then like, why just make a year, like a yearly intention? Like that's kind of dumb. Like what you would never do that. Like that's a bad business plan, right? Like, so Celine, if I may, you are kind of an example of pretty good living. You've been doing, you've, you've been, no, you've been an accomplished athlete for a long time. You, You know, you you've you've really turned it into a lifestyle in a way that I have yeah you know a lot of people uh would struggle to balance the the fitness that you the the time that's required to have the fitness that you have a lot <laughs> Thank of people you for saying that a lot of people would really struggle to to find those hours uh and to have it is not easy yeah. you make them i mean it's like anything and that's why I always struggle to find my why, because without a why, there's no way. You know what I mean? Like if without a why, I am not going to make time to have those hours because it's in my head. It just doesn't make any sense. Um, but, you know, I'm carrying through that same theme. So this year I'm thinking, you know, train smart, ride lots as it makes sense. And as I want to continue to build my business, my daughter's graduating from high school and off to college in 2020 this year. So, um, that will open up time and also take time and change time, you know, like that's going to, I, I, yeah. I sort of, you know, realize that I'm not, I'm going to have to allow myself to be open and sort of flow like water a little bit 
this this year and because i'm going into a lot of unknowns yeah. you're gonna have an um, amazing you know, so cyclocross fans- season <laughs> that i've not that i that has not one of my intentions at all thank you for that but that, <laughs> i just see the opportunity i appreciate that i have other stuff going on this fall but i do see where you're going with that um no i decided like i've been setting intentions for every day which i kind of do anyway but i'm sort of saying them out loud a little bit more to myself and then the week and the month and then opening myself to having some of my intentions being sidelined and keeping them flowing like water to carve the path where I ultimately want to go, which, you know, in this year, I the gravel book has been doing pretty well. And I want to keep promoting that and like still keep traveling down this gravel path because I really like where it's going. Yeah. You know, I find it really exciting. Um, there's a non-bike book with my brother we you and i have talked offline about this my brother's an fbi explosive scientist it looks like we're finally finding a home for his book which is extremely exciting wow uh and finally getting the sequel going to roar uh which is the book that i did with stacy sims which is going on four years old now we came out with that and i know we came out that with that in 2016 it did not gain traction until quite recently when she got her ted talk and she hired somebody to do her social media which makes all the difference in the world because neither of us had the time to do like three posts a day about the book um but what what a huge difference like stacy had like 200 instagram followers when we started this thing and she's got like thirty thousand now right you know it's just like that's what it does like when you have somebody actually working on that voila it actually works wow so yeah we're we're, I'm pretty psyched. You know, we're going to the next edition. Um, we'll be concentrating on more of Stacy's work, uh, maybe master's category women, you know, which don't get a whole lot. There's a lot to say about the title of nine women who are, you know, entering their 40s, 50s. Like there's a lot going on there. So, yeah, super excited about that. Cool. So that's yeah, that's what sort of what I'm looking at in the next in the next year. Um, and I figure I over the holidays, I also got a bunch of questions from listeners. So figure eh, tackle one or two of those a show. Like keep them maybe not a full poll, but I figured I'll tackle one right now okay. before I pull off to the side. Cool. Uh, yeah. And th- this one, I know you had some thoughts on because you chimed in. This was somebody who wrote, who actually wrote in a question on our show notes. Uh, the, I don't remember your name, sir. I'm sorry, but he says, as always, thanks for producing a great show. I had to laugh when the discussion turned to the infamous bicycling magazine about the impact of cycling on men's quote unquote plumbing. Uh, I was in college when that issue came out. Now as a much older man, I would love, you're not that much older cause it's not that long ago, dude. But anyway, <laughs> you're not college to then 20 years and give yourself some time. Anyway, uh, I would love to learn what the latest science has to say about those issues. I'm particularly curious if there's any connection between cycling and prostate issues. I would also like to hear more about the utility of bicycle saddles with cutouts. Do they actually make a difference or are the benefits of cutouts pretty minimal? So uh, this is timely because we talked about Andy Pruitt before we left. And I actually did a whole interview with Andy Pruitt on this exact topic that this man is asking about. Um, maybe a couple of years ago already. It might have been two or three years ago. But there was a study. It's interesting. I'll start sort of at the end of that story. What, what people were kind of concerned about for a while is that there was a study showing that uh, PSA levels, which is prostate specific antigens whatever that's like the, what they check to see if you're in getting into the danger zone uh they checked the psa levels of 129 cyclists this was 2013 a study who had been participating in you know like metric century sort of rides of the, of those lengths so they would check them before the ride and within five minutes of when they finished and they noticed that their PSA levels rose an average of 9.5%, which was like this concerning thing. Um, the researchers at the time were like, oh, you might want to avoid, you know, they, nobody knew what that meant. And it actually meant nothing. You know, Andy Pruitt is like, it, it, it's, uh, you know, this, the vibration of this, how these things cause those levels to rise, but they return to normal very quickly. It's not, it's not a red flag of a long-term problem. It's not something that will accumulate into a long-term problem. 
it really the the take home of that study was don't maybe ride to your annual exam, you know, because it might give you an artificial. Well, seriously, yeah. it might give you an artificially raised result. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was good advice. That was, you know, Andy was talking about that. And to answer the sort of longer term question, there was a study that came out, I think, in 16. But I'd have to look that up of it was of more than 5000 cyclists ranging in age from 16 to 88. Actually, it was 2014. Uh, It was in the Journal of Men's Health. And there was no connection between cycling and erectile dysfunction or infertility, no matter how many miles or hours the men logged each week, uh, even those even among those doing about 200 miles a week in the saddle, which is a lot. Yep. That's a lot of riding. Um, that is not to say that obviously that you're immune from saddle problems. Cause we know that a poor fitting saddle or the, not the right saddle can still cause trouble. And that's where I talked to Andy and uh, you know, grooves actually do make a difference. Cutouts do make a difference. He likens it to uh, running over a garden hose. <laughs> you know, he's like, if you put a garden hose out and you run over it once, it springs back. It's okay. If you keep running it over, eventually it's going to get that permanent kink in it. If you are, if you have pressure there, even if it doesn't give you problems long term or it goes away quickly, you get some numbness that resolves. That's still not a good, that's not good. Like you should not have that numbness because that cumulative numbness can lead to more long term implications. And that's where the cutouts happen. But the cutout only works, a groove only works if the saddle is the right shape and that's in the right spot. Because you can still put pressure where you don't want it. Right. If you're not fit correctly or that saddle is not the right shape, size, all of that for you. Um, it's the same kind of stuff. You know, you want the majority of your weight on your sit bones, you know, the hard bones, your ischial tub- tuberosities. And, you know, just like we talk about it all the time, dial in your reach. Your reach has a big like your saddle could be perfect. But if you're rolling your hips and reaching too far, you can still be putting that weight where you don't want it. And you could still be having more problems than you need. So uh, to answer your question, sir. Yes, those do make a difference. But you need to, as in all things, make sure that it is properly suited to your anatomical needs. Do you have any other thoughts on that, Patrick? So uh, the guy who worked with Andy Pruitt on the body geometry saddles when they first came out for specialized. Gold? gold? Uh, n- no. Uh, no, he was the other guy. Roger um, Minkow. Oh, what was his name? Yes, thank you. Yep. So I was at a press launch with specialized. The I think it was the this. I think it was the year the saddles came out, but maybe it was a later year. And The body geometry yes, saddles. Um, yeah. And. They had been, you know, they'd started the cutouts and whatnot and had been doing some research on people uh, on terms of in terms of blood flow. And Mm -hmm. he said, you know, anybody here who wants to get checked and see how things go, uh, you know, we'd be happy to do that. And so they ran a little wire uh, up the leg of my bib shorts and Mm -hmm. we uh, taped a device uh, to me um, in a place that's never had anything taped to it before. (laughs) And then I sat on a saddle, uh, you know, on a bike, on a trainer and pedaled and they measured my blood flow. And Mm -hmm. the long and short of it was that we determined that I ought to move around every two minutes to restore full blood flow. And I don't move around to that degree, like standing up for 30 seconds, you know, at least 15. That's a long time to stand up. Actually. Yeah. Yes. Uh, at least 15. His, yeah, his recommendation was at least 15, preferably 30 seconds every two minutes. <coughs> and, you know, that just wasn't going to happen. Um, yeah. And that knowledge combined with my experience and, you know, the times that I have gotten uh, numb as a result of a really long ride. I'm not going to be doing that many things that involve a drop bar and a distance greater than a hundred miles anymore. I have a sense that my tissues are getting more, uh, fragile. Uh, it's hmm. a, just a little fussier. And I think the, I think numbness occurs more easily now than it used to. And so I'm, 
you know, I like the way everything works and I'd like to keep it working the way it works. Uh, so that's another reason why I've been doing more mountain biking. I move around a lot on a mountain oh, bike. Oh, you move around a lot. I mean, that's, you just move around a lot. Like, that, it's, the terrain demands it. Yeah, and so, yeah. I, you know, I can go out mountain biking for five hours, and there will be no numbness whatsoever. A five-hour yeah. road right now, there's probably going to be a little discomfort, you know, at hmm. minimum. So uh, I, I can attest that, yes, that blood flow really can get shut down pretty quickly. Um, and one of the big things is that, there are a lot of key veins, uh, well, blood vessels, I guess there's arteries and veins, but whatever. There are a lot of key blood vessels that pass through the perineum. And mm -hmm. yes, it, you know, that cutout is designed to be able to relieve not just the, the nerve pressure, but also right. keep the blood flow high. And so, oh, yeah. yeah, it's, it's key stuff. Cool. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, Yeah. Uh, work with a good fitter. That would be my actual advice. Yeah, no, I'm it definitely. I mean, if there's any issues at all, you should work with a good fitter and figure those out. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Next up. Cool. Um, I think I'll save it for next time. Cause it's another long one. So, all right. I think that's good for my poll. All righty. Uh, well then we're going to take a brief break for our sponsor Shimano and we will be right back. We're going to take a short break for our sponsor, Shimano, and we'll be right back. At Shimano, we love riding, and we know you do too. As a small repayment for all the joy your bike has brought your life, we encourage you to maintain your bike regularly. Genuine Shimano replacement parts will keep your Shimano-equipped bike running smoothly. Whether your bike is built with 105, XTR, or our new gravel group, GRX, a well-maintained bike will operate better and go faster. Worn out a chain? Consider that a badge of honor. You've been riding a lot. Does it sound like metal on metal when you hit your rim brakes? That's a sign it's time for new brake shoes. What if your disc brakes don't feel as crisp as they used to? Cool, you've been going fast. Give them a bleed. Does your chain skip on smaller cogs? You're using all your gears, and now your cassette is shot. Is that old saddle creaking? It may be fatigued because of all the miles you've put in. Consider a saddle from Shimano's Pro line of components. And what about your feet? Cleats can and do wear out, especially the right cleat if you're a cyclocross racer. Whether it is the plastic cleat on a road shoe or metal SPD cleat, they can and do wear out. To keep that love burning bright, show your bike a little TLC and take it by your nearest Shimano dealer to keep it running just like when it was new. Alrighty, we are back with the pace line. Podcast on two wheels. Patrick, what is your poll this week? Well, speaking of mountain bikes, I've been thinking a lot about mountain bike design lately. It all started when I was watching some video shot in British Columbia. The trails were big, flowy, machine built, packed harder than a baseball diamond. The lines the riders were taking were big. The turns were sweeping. And I got to think about how different so many of the trails that I ride are. In other words, they're nothing like that. Yeah. Where I am, most of the trails are tight, single track. They're not lanes. You couldn't get a Mini Cooper through there, you know. <laughs> it's, yep. Um, they're not machine cut, you know. And this time of year, they're dusted with pine duff. And I'm willing to bet that some of them probably even started as game trails. Though there are plenty that I ride that were deliberately cut by riders. They're still just that traditional cross-country style single track. And yep. they're tight and plenty of the turns, especially switchbacks, often have a radius of less than eight feet. It's mm -hmm. they're they're tight and it takes some doing to get around. I've there's one I know of uh, in Annadale. The the radius might be four feet, maybe. Yeah, hmm. it's tight. Uh, and the thing is. Last summer, I began to notice a really odd trend in the rides that I uploaded to Strava, which is the vast majority. A great many of my downhill PRs were all on the same bike. Now, before I get to which bike, I want to say that I've ridden these trails on plenty of full suspension bikes in the 120 to 145 millimeter travel range, you know, traditional trail bikes, or mm -hmm. well, maybe I shouldn't say traditional, but kind of that sweet spot for the industry right now. Yeah. I've yeah. also ridden those trails on a hardtail. 
on a short travel cross country bike and a long travel 29er. A couple of them, in fact. What I was shocked to find out was that the vast majority of my PRs were all on the short travel cross country bike with only 100 millimeters of travel front and rear. At first, I was really confused by that data. I began looking at whether or not it was just some fluke, like I was following another better rider on those days I recorded my PRs. I was not. I was alone for nearly all of them. My next question was if maybe just marginally faster, like by a second. No. <laughs> that Yeah, I was often more than five seconds faster. I looked at wheel size as well, given that parts of the industry still tout 27.5 inch wheels mm -hmm. as being more nimble. And those were generally my slowest times. Hmm. Yeah. But it was on a ride after I started looking at all this and thinking about it that I had, we'll call it a small scale epiphany. On the short travel bike, I was braking less in turns. The difference I concluded was that the bike's geometry must be the difference. So I started looking at geometry charts, and while it was easy to see the difference in steering geometry between, say, the Ibis Ripmo and the Canyon Lux, two bikes I've ridden in the last year, uh, although I still haven't finished writing the Ibis Ripmo review, gotta get on that. <laughs> <laughs> the, so yeah, while the, the head tube and fork geometry was often different or always different, the bigger difference was wheelbase. That's mm -hmm. when my greater speed on the short travel bike really clicked for me. The short, the shorter bike was quicker to get around tight turns. I was braking less. Mm -hmm. It was really that simple. And that got me to thinking about the bikes that the industry is marketing. Most of the advertising I see is for longer travel bikes, not the shorter, mm -hmm. more nimble ones. The problem I see with that is how bikes are marketed more to what you want to do. That is aspirationally, not where you actually ride, which is we'll call reality. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, I don't want to be critical of the industry here, but it's something that I wanted to raise, you know, for, for listeners who are thinking that they might buy a mountain bike this year, consider where it is you actually ride and look mm -hmm. at that more than, you know, just what's the hot model from Santa Cruz right now, which Mm -hmm. God only knows is a great bike. Um, mm -hmm. So I, I was thinking about things like that and I've, you know, the more I thought about it, I was like, Oh, I got to talk to Selena about this. So I'm curious, does your experience register enough to reflect this? You know, do, do, is it Oh yeah. No, it actually absolutely does. I have, I have a, I have a lot of agreement with it. I have a lot of thoughts on it. I have a lot of thoughts I haven't figured out on this, but I know exactly what you're talking about. Um, and it has been true for me. And I, I never took it to that more scientific place, but I have always had a very similar experience that when I get on a cross country bike like that, even on downhills and stuff, I'm much faster. And to the point where I've been on trips with where we're trying out different kinds of bikes and people are like, wow, imagine what you could do on a longer travel bike. And I'm like, be slower is what I could do on a lot because and I sometimes I had always figured it's just because that's what I was used to. And when I have all that bike, I'm, I don't I'm not that fast with it. Like I because I'm just not. It's a different kind of riding that I don't actually spend that much time doing. Um, and I, I I'm not as fast on a big bike like that, even in situations where I should be faster on a big bike like that. I'm not. Here, though, I'm definitely not. And for a lot of the reasons that you say, like, we have tight hairpins. We have all kinds of stuff that is just not. It's nimbleness is better. And you can like you can do a lot with 90 to 100 mil of travel. Like you actually could, people used to race downhill with that, like not much more than that. So, yeah, um, I. I don't, when it comes to suspension, I, I don't think more is better. And the other thing that really strikes me that I think people don't think about, um, there are quite a few bikes that I have tested that only perform like in that aspirational way when you get them up to speed. 
Yeah. When you are going at a more casual pace, they are not great. You're, you're, they, they don't perform the same way and they hang up or they, they're a little wonky or they kick you around. Like they don't, that the suspension doesn't really come to live or, or do what it's supposed to do until you're really carrying some speed. And not everyone's going to do that. Yeah. Like I, Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's a it's a thing i mm-hmm. mean it really is a thing and when you when you give people i mean it's interesting to watch because the people who test bikes for the industry are fast by and large fast skilled people and they are going to make get the most out of that bike in ways that some people might never get out of that bike yep and i've i've thought about that quite a bit honestly because it's kind of like on the roadside. I'll never forget this guy bought, you know, this is way back in the day, but he bought like a high end specialized race bike. I don't remember what it was at the time. It must have crashed it. I don't know how many times. Like it, it wasn't, it was too responsive for what he was, should have been doing with it um, or what he was able to do with it, mm-hmm. you know, and the way he was riding it. And, uh, you know, these are things that there, there's, a, I've always thought there's, there's a giant disconnect. And I know I'm not faulting necessarily anybody for it, but there is definitely a disconnect uh, between a, how a bike is designed, who tests it, and who ultimately gets it and what they do with it. There is often a disconnect there that I don't know the exact answer for. As a reviewer, I try to be mindful of it. And, mm-hmm. and those bikes that I'm talking about, like that I've noticed that are just not super fun to ride slowed speed, even though they're incredibly able at, at fast speed. I think that's something you should know if, yeah. they, if that if your M.O. is not to be blazing down a trail, but to be riding at a more moderate speed, then, you know, another system might be better for you. Yeah. Yeah. And it's one of those things where it's not so much a mass issue, it's an energy issue. So that, you know, like the Fox 36 fork, incredible fork. People have done, you know, just amazing things on that fork. But roaring down a rocky single track descent, not really what that fork's good at. It it doesn't, mm-hmm. it's not supple enough at the front end. It's a fork that's really made for attacking terrain and it's made for bigger hits. So you don't have to be a big burly rider, but you need that speed to generate the energy to be able to actually activate that suspension. Yeah. Oh, totally. Yeah. Yeah. And that was, that was a really frustrating lesson for me to learn. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot to it. There's a lot, there's, you know, there's a lot that goes on. And, and I mean, that's why new bikes, that's why the, the industry will never stop evolving. Like, cause it's, there's just so many parameters and so many factors and where you're riding and how you're riding and the speeds and, and the temperature and all that, like it all comes into play. But, but to your point, a hundred percent, I mean, I, my Niner RDO, I think had 90, um, uh-huh. cross country race bike. And I set more downhill PRs on the stuff I ride on that bike than on on anything bigger right yeah it all comes down to control and if the suspension is active over those smaller bumps so that you have a finer sense of what your line is a greater sense of that control you know through turns and whatnot yeah i i mean i can remember hitting one rock garden on the ripmo and my eyes could barely focus because i was bouncing around so much and yeah, you know, I've tried to do what I can to to just let go more, but it's hard. I did not have success on that bike, and I think for that reason, it's funny you say that one. I mean, I know people who love it, and I'm, this is not a, any kind of me reviewing a bike and saying like, but that was not a bike for me. That for the same, I had the exact same experience on it. I just couldn't get that thing to sing. It's a it's an amazing bike, and you know, one of the upshots is though that you know because it, the act the suspension isn't super active. It pedals like mad. It's, it's, I mean, that bike climbs incredibly well for a long travel mm-hmm. 29er. And the gnarlier the terrain I hit, the better behaved it was. So, I mean, there's a lot about that bike that I just absolutely adore. It's, mm-hmm. it's a really impressive achievement by people who really care about, you know, every last little detail. Oh, yeah. No, Ibis is like, they make amazing bikes. Yeah. 
they have never actually worked for the way I ride. I know people who love them and it's just one of those things I want to love them because mm-hmm. I love I love the people behind them and I I know that they they're made amazingly well and I've seen people do wonderful things on them but for whatever reason it's just one of like every time I get on one it doesn't play right with me and I don't and I have never put my finger on exactly why our relationship doesn't work yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I, I don't know I appreciate like they're great bikes and and how well they work but They've never been exactly right for my style of riding. Hmm. Yeah. And that's another interesting thing is, you know, because you get these styles of geometry between different brands, you get these different ride characteristics. Right. And that's because you know how it specialized rides, right? I mean, you can get on one of those bikes and they're like, no matter what it is, I'm like that. I know how that bike rides. And, and, and many of them the same way. And, that works for you or it doesn't. And that's why there are so, I mean, if, if there weren't differences, we would have one brand and be done, you know, it right. just wouldn't. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Uh, well put. Yeah. Well, it's nice to hear that you you're confirming that as well. Uh, I know that over at MTBR, there was some discussion about this very phenomenon a month or two ago. And, uh, that came just as kind of my thoughts were really solidifying. It was like, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm not alone. Yeah. Oh no, no. It's 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 super interesting. I I find that stuff I always find that stuff really interesting. On on all and as we'll talk about shortly, you know, the gravel gravel scene, a really interesting evolution of that happening in front of our very eyes. Yeah. 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 Oh, excellent. Well, yeah, I think this is probably a good time to move on to paceline picks. Right, because my pick is sort of a not pick is uh it is it I have to make my pick of 2020 gravel. I, oh my Lord. I mean, it is, uh, (laughs) you know, this is definitely the year where it's, it's in everybody's uh, ether, right? I mean, I mean, it's been sort of moving and the wave has been coming, but I, I feel like it is just like washed like the tide is in, you know, and yeah. like everybody's either like swimming in it or they have their feet in it. Like USAC is talking about, you know, they had their little summit down in Bentonville. Uh, there's, there's just a lot, like every time you turn around another uh, pro, like, I don't know, TJ Eisenhart and his, their new thing, the collective imagined, I don't even know. I can't remember the name of it. Uh, Stetna, you know, all these privateers, gravel privateers, it's a uh, super, super interesting times for gravel. And I've been to your point, um, you know, testing all these different kinds of bikes. I just, I have never been on a salsa warbird. So I finally had a chance to test drive one of those. And what a pleasant experience that was. I've, you know, it was like the original gravel race bike and it is still, man, it was funny. I got it. I'm like, well, it doesn't look that special because you're so used to the bikes looking so different. Like, right. They all have bells and whistles and something. I'm like, it just looks like a bike. Uh, but it's what a pleasure it is to ride. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's. Yeah. They did a yeah. great job on that bike. Great job. Mm-hmm. And that very simple VR5 suspension system in the back, the the whole wishbone, the, 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 st- the stays that are little bowed and flattened and no bridges. It works. Yeah. Yeah. It makes yeah. a difference. Yeah, it really does. I, it was a, a real pleasure to ride that. And then you can tell it was it's designed by people who who get it, you know, who are out there like who designed it for a purpose. And that purpose is they, they accomplished it. So I I appreciate that. And today I, I got a chance to I had not been out on a Niner MCR magic carpet ride. Yeah. Have you been on one? No, no. I would give blood to do it. Really? Oh, yeah. I, How come? It's just so fascinating to me. And there are so many descents that I've done where suspension is kind of the only way I was going to get any faster. Uh, I, I had to have a greater mm-hmm. sense of control to be yep. able to let go any more than I already was. Yep. And so, yeah, that's a, you know, and yeah, control is everything, right? So that's mm-hmm. a bike that the moment they announced it at Sea Otter last year, I was like, oh, I'm in. Yeah, it's funny because there were different reactions to it. Some people did the old eye roll. Sure. Oh, that's just a mountain bike with whatever, blah, blah, blah. Um, you know, you pick it up, it feels a little heavy. It looks pretty over. It, 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 it looks complicated. 
I I, w- I had no idea what I was going to think of it. Um, and I I need a little more time on it, obviously. But it's I will say that exactly what you said is the experience I had. Is that it? It uh, you know, I would just bl- there's this very chunky covered bridge that I ride over many times a week because it takes me to some trails, and it's you know it's jarring. It's one of those, and I just. Like nothing, just, you know, just like right over, like, that's what this bike is made to do. And that's one of those moments that as a reviewer really tells you what a bike is about because you have that tactile memory of, you know, what this experience is going to be like because you've been over it a thousand times yeah, and then you go over it and something different and it's like, wait, what, what just, how, hang on. It's very, very planted. That bike, you know, even on just even places where. You know, other paths where they're just a little sketchy and I, I always expect to like drift a little of that. Not, I, I didn't even budge. <laughs> it's just like so planted. It's a very interesting experience. It's I can a, imagine. It's a very interesting experience. So, I mean, but th- th- again, like this is just the beginning of that idea of a full suspension gravel bike, whatever that means and what that should look like. And who it, it's so, I find the whole thing so interesting and it's, it's only going to get more interesting. I'm very, I, I, I feel like what I love most about gravel is, is that it has infused every single part of the industry with some excitement, you know, from yeah. it's just changing the way that we look at the sport on every single level. And it's cool. Yeah. And I think there's, a, yeah. I mean, my feeling is that we finally have the vehicle to do the thing that I have long observed about the bike industry lacking, which is that thing that's like a triathlon or a marathon. Sure. There are the the fast people up front, but everybody gets to go have their legitimate experience. Yeah. I say it all the time that we finally got our marathon. I have said that a million times. We finally got our marathon. Yeah. Like that is how it feels to me too. Like it is, it is that thing where it's not super scary People aren't going to be really yelling at you. You don't need a team. It's accessible. Your experience is your experience. Everybody like shares the course and talks about it at the end of the day. I mean, there's, there's a lot of, uh, yeah, there's a lot of positive. Yeah. You don't have to stay in the pack for fear of getting pulled off the course. Right. (laughs) Imagine that. Yeah. You You pay for an event and you actually get to finish. Yeah. (laughs) That's that's sort of novel. Flag you off the side because you're too slow. Yeah. Yeah. Imagine that. Give give the paying customer a good experience. Yeah. I'm, Who'd have thought? I had I had a friend at Nationals get pulled a hundred yards from the finish line. She was out in Idaho. They did not let her cross the finish line. Wow. At a mountain. Can you imagine? A hundred yards. You could see yeah. the fit. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Official flags are off the side. I'm like, this is what the problem is. This yeah. is the problem. This is terrible. Like that should never happen. She flew to Idaho with her bike and didn't get to cross the finish line because of the 80% roll. I'm like, are you kidding me? Is this, is this a joke? I, that's somebody who lost the plot line. Yeah. She's in nobody's way. Let's be clear. I mean, we're, we're coming into the finish area. Like even, I mean, I don't believe in that anyway. And that's a whole other podcast for another time. I think <laughs> yes. that if you were on the course, that you were just part of the course and people should have to just pass you that. But anyway, yeah. yeah. But gravel is, you know, less rules, less of that, less. It's it's just a much more. It, it's that inclusiveness we've been looking for. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just naturally there. And I hate to say it, but I really want USAC to stay out of gravel. Oh, yeah. No, they know it, too. They know it. They, <laughs> they, they know it. They came and visited bicycling a couple of years ago and they were very, very cognizant that, I mean, they, you know, they came and they met with some people who will be unnamed who are friends of mine. And, and they just said, go, go away. You know, like, like I love you, but go away. And I know like they're, tr- they're really trying. I mean, USAC is, they're trying, right. They, and there are people with good hearts, but you, we don't want regulation. I mean, we just don't want regulation. And it's interesting because I was talking to the um, Jeff, uh, his last name's I'm blanking at Sea Otter because they're for the first time they're having a gravel race, which is kind of surprising. They're pretty off the back for not, you know, I mean, they had a cross race like way early and they've they've had fat bike stuff. But 
You know, he was saying, he's just like, we never had, I couldn't figure out how to put it together. He's uh-huh. like, well, you know how Sea Otter is. It's packed. It's like, right. there's not a, there's not a, a place to put anything in that event anymore. Um, so they're actually starting it with the cross country races on the gravel races will go out before the XC race on Sunday morning. Oh, okay. Do some of the same course, but then divert from the course, right. you know, so they'll be going back and forth a little bit. But I asked him, I'm like, what even category would, I mean, like, because it's a USAC race, like, and I've not had to use my license for a gravel race ever. Right. So I'm like a cat five on the road and a pro card on the mountain. I'm like, what, what, is, there's no, I don't even know what my classification on a gravel race would be. What, what do they use? Oh, he didn't know either. Yeah. Wow. That's a, uh, that's yeah. That's an interesting thing to encounter. Um, mm, I, yeah. So I don't know, but before we get to your pick, I had written down a little note while you were talking about your mountain bike stuff uh-huh. that I wanted to ask you quick because it's relevant to what you were saying. Have you ever used one of the brake meters? Are no. you, have you had a chance? I, the, my, that's my friend in New Zealand. He used to live here and he's arrived with a lot. He just, who did, who developed a braking meter so you could see how much you are braking over the course of a ride. And it would be really interesting. I would be fascinated to get a hold of that and, and yeah. like put it on a couple of different bikes. Well, that's what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. That would be very interesting. And no, I, I had, I had heard about it, but uh, no, have not get, gotten a chance to play with one. Yeah. yeah. So. Interesting. Oh. Yeah. Well, uh, my pick this week, because it's chilly in most all the world that we know is scratch labs. They brought mm-hmm. back a previously discontinued flavor for the winter. Hot apple cider mix. People love that. I was surprised when it went away. Oh, yeah. I I mean, I got in touch with Alan Lim. I was like, dude, don't do this. Don't do <laughs> right. this. But my history with flavors is such that if I like it, it'll be the it next <laughs> it'll be the next one discontinued. Every single favorite I've ever had from Cliff Bar, bye-bye. That's so funny. Yeah, the lemon poppy seed, the caramel oh, apple pie. Oh, I like pie. the lemon poppy seed. Too. Right? Gone? It's awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was around for like a year, maybe two. You know, the, the caramel apple pie or cobbler, whatever that was, that was incredible. I would take that to the movies instead of buying M&M's. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> well, <laughs> it, was, it was my attempt to actually behave. <laughs> now you can take... Hot cider scratch. (laughs) So it's back. And, you know, this stuff is just so good. I put it in an insulated bottle and it makes those first two hours a lot more pleasant. Usually, and that's the coldest part of the ride, right? But it's only back for the winter. So if you want some, you better order it now. And I like it so much. I'm probably going to do a reorder before it's gone. (laughs) Um. Yeah, the the mix has definitely made a difference in my ability to get out the door on a cold day. It's like a a, a little safety blanket or Oh, totally. I <laughs> could see that. That makes that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Now, what do you put it in? Uh, insulated bottles. Yeah. Yeah, just any one of the like the Camelback insulated bottles and it's fine. Yeah, yeah. I I use the Camelbacks and really it's only going to stay it's going to stay hot for a half an hour. It's going to stay pretty warm for another half hour and it's going to be lukewarm for an hour after that and after two hours it's you know it's cold is what it is yeah at least (laughs) it's not freezing right yeah not yeah i'm not getting ice in my nozzle anymore yeah oh my gosh i wish they'd figure out a way to fix that yeah i i I don't miss those days in new england yeah that was oh you don't get those at all anymore is that what you were talking about (laughs) no i don't get those at all we still get those yeah Yeah, i'm chewing on the nozzle to try to like sucking on it break the ice Uh and make it work oh yeah yeah no i don't miss it not even (laughs) a little bit um yeah i know i don't have a real winter uh this thing you talk about not (laughs) having your your bottles free shut yep yep uh you know they have this thing called mayflower they move stuff Oh, yeah, like a band. <laughs> yep. Uh, well, I'm going, which which we should tell people there will be no show next week, because oh, yeah. I am going to gravel camp next week. Speaking of warm places, it's in Arizona. Yeah, yeah. And you're going to be yeah. there with a lot of awesome people. Uh, yeah, I'm pretty stoked on that. Hashtag like envy. The, 
What's that? Hashtag envy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I didn't even know all those awesome people were coming. Uh, Rebecca's going to be there. Rebecca Rush. Yuri's going to be there. Bobby from uh, now Mid-South, formerly Land Run. Yep. Um, which I'm, I I applaud him changing the name, but I don't love the name. I, I, I would it's, not, it's not sexy, but he did a good thing. He did a good thing. And I love him. And please, if you're listening, Bobby, but I would have called it like the Red Clay 100 or I don't know, something. <laughs> you know, I know, maybe I'll. The derailleur yeah. killer? <laughs> well, maybe not that. <laughs> but, but yeah, he's going to be there. I think uh, Swindlehurst is going to be there from oh, uh, Crusher. Yeah. Uh, uh, Amy, there's a ton of people are going to be there. And, and Cliff. Cliff, we, you mentioned Cliff, and that made me think of it because they are catering the whole thing. They're bringing products. They're part. They're one of the big sponsors, and we're going to be riding uh, that new evil contraption, which I really don't like. The name. I know some people love it. The the chamois Hagar, <laughs> which I don't know. I I just don't know if I could buy a bike named chamois Hagar, but I know that maybe it's just not for me. I don't know. You might not be the target market. I might not be the target market. I, but we're going to be riding them. Oh, okay. You would. Cool. Uh, well, I'm, I was going to say, I know people who would buy it just for the name alone. I do too. Right. Yeah. Right. And they probably offset me by a mile. So that's fine. <laughs> it is a good demographic to pull that kind of antic. Yeah. So I'll be out there. I'll be on that. And, uh, just like soaking in all of like, what's, what's new and hot for gravel for 2020. So I'll, I'm sure I'll come back with lots of things to talk about. Very cool. Um, well, yeah, I'll, I'm bummed I won't be there, but <laughs> I've got my own stuff to do. Oh, uh, well, that's a wrap for another episode of The Pace Line. Um, if you all would, please keep those questions coming. Sounds like uh, Celine does have a little stock there. Um, I do. I like it. Cool. Uh, I'm happy to entertain some as well. Oh, uh, if you've got an idea, please drop by RKP and put a suggestion in the comments or email us. Uh, don't forget our Paceline kits from Primal. They're up in the RKP store. We still have some. Before we go, I'd like to put in a plug for RKP's other podcast, The Pull. The show features artisans talking about their craft in one-on-one interviews. Uh, the show is back this week. Uh, my guest is Brian Hollingsworth, and he's a really incredible talent with a very varied background that includes time at seven cycles. So, oh. yeah, he he came on my radar when Nabs was in Hartford. Uh, it was like, who is this guy? Where did he come from? And just an incredible talent. So really fun interview. Um, all righty. If we uh, <laughs> toy boat, we hope you enjoyed the show. And if you have, please leave us a good review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. It makes us easier for other listeners to find. Until next week, I'm Patrick Brady. With Celine Yeager, thanks for listening to The Pace Line.